Please take up those Bibles today and, and turn with me to Revelation chapter 15. Um, we will pick up in verse 5 and read through verse um, 11 of chapter 16. Uh, before we read, while you're turning there, I do want to say thank you to everybody who's been encouraging in this series so far. I, I, I do appreciate the calls, the texts, the emails that say, are you going to be getting back to Revelation this week? And so thank you for that. And I hope this has been edifying and um, it has been to me as we've as I've gone through this. So let us begin reading today in Ex or Exodus, Revelation chapter 15, beginning in verse five. After this, I looked and in heaven, the temple that is the tabernacle of the testimony was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter that temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead man, and everything living in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just in these judgments, you who are and who were the Holy One, because you have so judged, for they have, sh they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues. But they refused to repent and glorify him. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. Let's pray. Our God and Father above, I do thank you for these words, these words that show your action in history and the promises for your saints. As we approach these words, may you use them to grow our love for you, to grow our holiness and to help us live more and more as children of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I am going to give you a list of songs. And I would like for you to think about what they may have in common. First one, Icky Thump. Next, The Times They Are A-Changin'. The Trees. Land of Confusion, Master of Puppets, Zombie, Cult of Personality, Every Move You Make, and quite honestly, almost everything by the 80s alternative band, Midnight Oil. 
What do you think these songs have in common? Are these songs that were released and released successfully by two separate artists? No, some of them were, but not all of them. Are these songs from the same type or genre of music? Absolutely not. Are these songs proof that your pastor has questionable taste in music? (laughs) Possibly. In some way, shape, or form, though, each of these psalms echoes the call of Psalm 146.3. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. Now, granted, each of these are giving the message that you can't trust that human prince over there, but you can trust the one that I like, that I support. But the message is still there. Human leaders will ultimately let you down. In the previous visions, we were exposed to the tools that the dragon uses to seek the destruction first of the Messiah and then of the church. Specifically, we saw that the dragon uses kingdoms of men in opposition to God, false religions and economic pressures to seek the destruction of God's kingdom on this earth. And God, and as humans gave their alliance, their hope and their trust to these false kingdoms, to their false religions, in hopes of a life of ease, in hopes of a life of prosperity. Revelation is a book meant to give comfort to the people of God in the face of persecution that the enemy sends their way, whether that persecution comes through false religion, whether that persecution comes through pagan kingdoms and empires of men. And this passage that we have read today is no different Jesus, through John, communicates to the church under Roman oppression and the church today that comfort and salvation can only be found in placing our trust in the one true prince of God. And John shows us that comfort comes through the knowledge that God answers prayer and that false kingdoms and false religions are judged. First, God answers prayer. The last four verses of chapter 15 pick up this vision that was introduced to us in the first verse of chapter 15. And this vision, like the vision, uh, like the end of the last vision seen in verses 2 through 4 of 15, pulls heavily from the imagery of the Exodus. Specifically today in this vision, we, saw, we see the, temper, the temple or the tabernacle of testimony. The word translated temple in verse 5 is a word that is typically used to describe the holy of holies within the temple, the place where the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony lived, signifying God's presence with his people. That Ark of the Covenant held a copy of the Ten Commandments, reminding God's people, reminding humanity that they are called to live a life of righteousness and holiness. And it's into this room that John looks. Now it is significant that John can see into this room because when the tabernacle and later the temple was built, a curtain was placed between this room, the Holy of Holies, and the rest of temple, the rest of creation, showing that there was a separation between God's presence and humanity, a separation that scripture tells us is there because of the sinfulness of humanity. God's presence, God's holy presence could not dwell directly in the presence of Israel because of their sin. And that room was open only once a year as that curtain was cleansed, as the people were cleansed on the Day of Atonement. 
And the priest went into the Holy of Holies to cleanse it as well from the defilement of living amongst an unholy people. But in Mark 15, 38, something interesting happens as Jesus hangs on the cross. As he gives up his breath, as he says it is finished, as he completes the requirements of the, of the moral law and fulfills the requirements of the ceremonial law, as he gives up his spirit, that curtain rips from top to bottom. And that room is now open and John sees the heavenly holy of holies of which the temple and the tabernacle were mere reflections. John sees into the holy of holies where God resides because of the work of Jesus. And out of this open holy of holies, John sees a procession of seven angels that come out bearing the seven plagues of God's wrath that will be poured out in the rest of this vision, in the rest of chapter 16. These seven angels are dressed in gleaning linen robes, showing their holiness. And they are covered with golden sashes, showing that God has given them the authority to carry out the judgments which they carry. Another angel, one of those four angelic beings that, that constantly uh, flies around the throne of God, proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, whose glory fills the whole earth. And holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. One of those beings comes and gives them the seven bowls for which they will put the plagues of wrath in and then pour out upon the nations. At this moment that they are given the bowls, God's glory fills the temple, much like we see in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah goes into God's presence and he sees this cloud of glory that fills the temple, that obscures God from unholy humanity so that he is not destroyed as he realizes he should be because of his sin and the sin of his people. And God covers his glory as judgment goes out upon unrepentant humanity. Now we're reminded as well as we think about this, that this is symbol, this is vision, that there is a way into that glorious presence. We will see a human voice. We will see a group of human voices come out of that glorious presence here in a few moments. But we are reminded that as repentance and faith is the way to be able to enter God's holy presence without fear of death without fear of being destroyed by his holiness. Repentance is a turning from our sinfulness. It's, a, it's an admission that we are sinful. It's a turning from our sinfulness with, with tears, with hatred of that sin, not just, not just fear or sorrow that we got caught, but actually falling to our knees with tears on our face, with anguish in our hearts saying, Lord, I can't believe I did that again. I hate it, take it from me turning from that life of sin and turning in belief and faith in the righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to find reconciliation with God. And so this is the glorious picture that John sees as this vision opens. But how does that, how do these pieces of this vision, what do they have to do with God answering prayer? Well, let's look at some of the pieces of this vision that we have actually seen before in the book of Revelation. First, we have the golden bowls that the angels are handed. Where was the last time we saw golden bowls? 
Well, back in Revelation 5.8, the 24 elders representing the entirety of the people of God, both Old Testament and New Testament people of God, are seated around the throne, worshiping God, and they hand golden bowls full of incense to God. Incense that represents the prayers of the saints. Next, in chapter 16, verse 7, we will hear a response to the declaration of God's judgment that comes from the altar. Where have we seen an altar in the, New Test- in the, in the book of Revelation? In Revelation chapter 6, verses 8 through 10, we heard the voices from the altar as well, from underneath the altar. Voices of saints who have died in the Lord saying, How long, O Lord? How long until you come and bring your judgment on people who refuse to heed your call and repent? And there, God says, when the timing is right, when the last person to be saved and the last person to reject salvation has come to either accept or reject the good news of the gospel, then I will come. But he also answers with the truth that there are little judgments occurring throughout life as the nature rebels against humanity, as humans fight against each other, as death and pain and suffering comes in this life, we get little taste of God's judgment as we move through. Tastes that intensify as we see throughout the course of the book of Revelation, but little taste of God's judgment that point us to the reality that God's judgment will come. And the answer to the prayer of the saints, the prayer that says, God, you have promised that you will take vengeance on the enemies of your people. And it seems like it is taking such a long time. We bear up under persecution. We bear up under sickness. We bear up under suffering. We bear up under struggle. How much longer until your new heavens and new earth come to pass? You've heard me say it once every two to four years, every time November rolls around. I don't want to go to the polling place. I want Jesus to come back. How much longer do I have to pick between bad and bad? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. God answers that prayer by saying, I'm sovereign. You're safe. And I will answer in my time. And that's what the saints get here. Their prayers that ascend to God as glorious prayers, as incense that are sweet-smelling to God's nose. The bowls that take those prayers to God will be the bowls that pour out judgment upon sinful humanity. God is saying, trust me. God is calling you in, in, in the midst of you wanting Him to return so that whatever struggle you're going through can end, whether it's persecution, whether it's sickness, whether it's just the struggles of living in this world. Whatever struggles, God says, I'm near, I'm good, and you're safe in me. We're reminded in this that we are to trust God as we pray persistently for him to come for him to answer, for him to judge, for him to heal, for him to give relief, for him to give comfort. God says, I'm near. I know more than you do. I know what would happen if I, if I answered the way you want me to. I know what will happen if I don't answer the way you want me to. And I know that it is good. 
for you, my child, to have to rely upon the grace that is sufficient for you, even in the worst of circumstances. We're reminded in this passage, in the midst of all the imagery, in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of all the arguing and wrangling about when all this happens, God reminds us, I am near and I am your God. And I will answer. God comforts the church in the first century and he comforts you today with this reminder that he does answer prayer. Next, he pours out his judgment upon the kingdoms and false religions of this world. In chapter 16, the action of these visions begin as the angels go out and one by one, they pour out the judgment of God upon the earth, upon the sea, upon the, the, the fresh water, upon the, uh, the heavenly lights, and then the, upon the spiritual realm, which is the same pattern that we saw back in the vision of the trumpets. It's just intensified. Back then, only a third of earth and a third of humanity was affected. And in this one, it's all of earth. It's all of fallen humanity that is affected. Unrepentant humanity. It picks up some of the same plagues, although in a different order that was picked up in the vision of the trumpets earlier in the book of Revelation. And it's leading us to the same conclusion that, yes, the beast, the dragon has called pagan kingdoms and false religions to his aid in the persecution and the destruction of the church. But just as a dragon has been defeated, those are defeated as well, and they exist under the sovereignty of God. The land, the sea, and the fresh waters are sources of economic prosperity and the realm of the kings of the earth. They're also the realm of the beast of the dragon as the one beast came from the sea and the other beast came from the land. We will see God's judgment poured out in, in the fifth and the sixth bowl upon the false religions of this world. The dragon and his beast set up false kingdoms and false religions in opposition to God. And as humans have sold their allegiance to the dragon and his beast for access to the economic prosperity that is promised, God judges all of them. As the judgments are poured out, physical torment, spiritual torment is experienced by those who have placed their trust in the kingdoms of man. The judgments hinted at in the visions of the seals and exposed a little more in the visions of the trumpets are seen in the fullness of all their horror. We see not just a third of the seas affected as the water is poured upon the oceans. We see everything, human and animal, die within the seas and the water turn to this congealed, stinking blob of dead man's blood. We see bowls poured out upon the land and all of those who have the mark of the beast and who worship his image are tormented physically and spiritually by the boils and the sores. The, the ugly and painful there are too pleasant of words to describe the horrors of the sores that break out on the people. God's judgment is complete in this vision. And as we think about the completeness of God's judgment, whether it's on the land, the sea, the fresh waters, whether it's on the false religions as darkness and torment is plunged upon the throne of the beast and those who follow him, we need to consider a few things. First, God's judgment is just. In the middle of this, once again, we have a song. 
In the middle of this, the angel breaks out into song and he sings of the justice, the rightness of God's judgment. You know, whenever humans sing within the book of Revelation, they, they proclaim and they sing the glory of God's redemption. Here, the angel sings the, the justice of God, the rightness of God's judgments. God's punishments fit the crime. The followers of the dragon, we are told in verse 6, have shed the blood of the saints, of the prophets, of the people of God. And so God gives them what they deserve. He makes them drink the blood of his wrath. Many times when you put your hope, your trust in the things of this world, they themselves will be the tools that God uses to bring destruction, to bring judgment. Alexander Shultzenichin talked about the, the Russian Revolution in 1917 and how everybody was excited because now everybody owned the means of production. Everybody in the country was an owner of that factory. Well, they had watched the owners of the factories take a lot of time off in the past. And so they thought, hey, I am now the owner of the factory. I'm not going to work tomorrow. It got so bad that a law had to be passed. Remember, we just had a revolution to abolish all law. A law had to be passed to force everybody to go to work because nothing was getting made. Nothing was getting done. Oftentimes, the things that you put your hope in are the things that God uses to judge you. Secondly, even the most horrific of judgments will not lead the worshipers of the beast to repentance. Think about the things that you have suffered in this life. Think about the pains, the heartaches, the destruction of nature that you have suffered in their life. Revelation is plain that those are just the merest of taste of God's judgment upon this earth. Could you imagine as those things intensify over the history of humanity between the return of Christ to heaven and the return of Christ to earth? Think about it. As those things get worse as humanity goes along, wouldn't you think that logically, wow, if this is just a small taste of God's judgment, I definitely don't want to taste the fullness of God's judgment. What does he say here? Twice he says it in today's passage. They refuse to repent. They double down on their cursings. They become like what they worship. They worship the dragon. And in chapter 12, how was the dragon described? He was described as one who curses, who blasphemes God. And so those who follow the dragon come become like him. It also reminds us that when it comes to salvation in the state of the human soul, we don't act on logic. We are fallen. We are dead in our trespasses and sin, and we are unable to change. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God to act in order to change our hearts, in order to draw us to that place of repentance, that place of belief, so that we can avoid the judgments of God. And thirdly, we see that the children of God are protected in the midst of this. Notice in verse 2, who does that judgment fall upon? It falls upon those who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. Now, it is true that the people of God live on this earth. They are not protected from the rebellions, from the natural disasters, from the wars that happen in a physical sense. Many times when war sweeps through a nation, the Christians lose their lives. Many times when a flood sweeps through a county, Christians lose their lives. 
but they are protected from the eternal judgment of God as they will live life in that holy of holies, the true holy of holies when, when the new heavens and the new earth is made. It's a recurring theme throughout the book of Revelation that the people of God will get run over at times in this world. And yet they are protected by God, by the good and the loving God who hears and answers prayer. So God answers prayer. God will judge the nations and the false religions of this earth. Psalm 146.3 does remind us to don't put your trust in human princes. They do not have salvation and they will let you down every time. As I was thinking about this, I'm, I'm going to redeem my song list here just a little bit. Another one of my favorite psalms, songs is, This is my Father's world. Brothers and sisters, we will suffer persecution. We will suffer heartache. We will suffer sickness. We will suffer in this world. Christ suffered. We will suffer. And after two verses of crying out of God's glory in nature, the Maltby Babcock wrote the third verse of This is My Father's World. He says, This is my Father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. That is the glory that awaits the child of God. The glory of knowing that God will hear and answer that prayer. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, in his time and in his way. And that all those who have caused suffering against us will be judged if they refuse to repent. Take comfort, brothers and sisters, in the promises of God. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for these words of comfort. Lord, for those who refuse to repent, they should be words of warning and horror. But for those who love you, who have been called according to your good purpose, they are words of comfort as you have promised your judgment upon those who have persecuted your church. That includes the beast, that includes the dragon, that includes all of his followers. And so, Lord, comfort and strengthen us in that truth. Let us not rejoice in the death of a pagan, but praise you for the rightness of your justice and help us to boldly proclaim the truth that those who repent will have this judgment pass over them and land on the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you go this week, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is to the Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.